We continue to get new numbers each day as this COVID-19 pandemic continues. As of this morning, April 5th, there are 2,637 confirmed cases in Virginia, with 431 total hospitalizations and 51 deaths. By the time you hear this, those numbers will likely have been updated, and we wait to see if social distancing is flattening the curve, halting community spread. While we wait, the world moves on. Um, our sincere hope is that we will be able to be up and running and back to normal um, by the fall semester, but it's honestly too early to tell. That's Jim Ryan, the president of the University of Virginia, speaking earlier this week at a town hall to a UVA community that has been transformed by the need to keep human contact as low as possible. In the April 5th edition of this podcast, we'll hear more from Ryan and other UVA officials. We'll also briefly hear from Kentucky Governor Andy Bashir before getting another update from Virginia Governor Ralph Northam. We will get through this together. Say it with me. We will get through this. We will get through this together. I know that it is heartbreaking to not be able to go see your mother or your father or your grandparents or even your spouse, especially if they are sick. So far on this program, we have covered what Albemarle, Charlottesville, and Greene County have done, as well as what Virginia's government is doing. But those of us who live here in the Charlottesville area have to also know what's going on at the area's largest employer and institution. On Thursday, April 2nd, University of Virginia President Jim Ryan took to Zoom and YouTube to give a sense of what the university is doing. All right. Good morning, everyone. Um, And thanks for joining. Uh, We have uh, gotten a lot better at Zoom over the last couple of weeks, but this is the first time we've tried a town hall with um, this many people. So I appreciate in advance your patience. Uh, for those Governor you, Ralph Northam's Executive Ryan, Order 55 is in effect through at least June 10th. Ryan said it's too early to tell what UVA will be doing in the fall. Um, our sincere hope is that we will be able to be up and running and back to normal um, by the fall semester, but it's honestly too early to tell, um, and it's going to depend on the progression of the virus. We're now working to identify the date by which we need to make a decision by the fall. Um, We'd like to push that date back as far as possible so we have as much information as we can to make the decision, but we also recognize that we need to make it far enough in advance so that people can plan. In his town hall, Ryan announced that some residence halls would be converted for use by health systems workers and others in the community who may need to self-isolate as the pandemic continues. There will not be a final exercises ceremony this year, and graduating students will not walk the lawn, but Ryan said that something will be done to commemorate that time. A committee is considering the issue. Refunds are going out now for housing and dining services that will not be provided. It's becoming clearer how the closure of a school with over 20,000 students will have ripple effects in this community, with many people now out of work. Uh, We are coordinating with the city of Charlottesville and Almoral County on ways that the university can help members of the broader community during the pandemic and afterwards um, as things get back to normal. Um, And we'll have more to share about that uh, in the next week. One of the biggest concerns about the response so far is the lack of test kits for COVID-19. Research at UVA led to the creation of a new method that has allowed capacity to slowly increase. This was the first local test developed in Virginia, 
and it reduced the wait time from hours, from days to hours. Um, we are now offering the test uh, to hospitals across Virginia. Ryan's comments were on April 2nd, and it's now April 5th. The number of cases continues to rise. What he said the other day, though, is still a valid statement. This is going to get worse um, before it gets better. Um, we haven't yet hit the peak uh, here in Virginia or in Charlottesville, and models now suggest that peak will occur somewhere between late April um, and late May. Uh, so we are going to be dealing with this uh, for some time, which will make it harder and harder. Um, and we're going to see more patients in the health system with COVID-19. In the meantime, UVA has moved classes online, and students can elect to be graded on a pass-fail basis. Here's Provost Liz McGill with an overview of more numbers. If you want to be precise about it, we have 4,273 classes being offered this semester. They have all transitioned from in-person to virtual for this semester. This includes, of course, large lecture classes, but labs, discussion sections, photography classes, studio art, etc. Uh, 20,000 is the number of page views our teaching resource website had during the work of week of March 11th, uh, which was uh, all in preparation for the move to virtual instruction. 61,859 is the number of Zoom participants we had during our first day of online instruction, Thursday, March 19th. And 123 students have received support in the form of a computer or internet access uh, thanks to the work of our student financial services and student affairs folks who've provided that financial assistance for those who need, uh, who need it. McGill said that moving learning to online comes with risks. Among them is a reliance on the Zoom platform. She said more lectures will be recorded and made viewable for students to watch as they can. The UVA Medical Center is under the supervision of Dr. Craig Kent. He's the Executive Vice President for Health Affairs and has only been on the job since February 1st. Here's what the status was on April 2nd. Remember, these numbers are already out of date by the time you hear this, but the general ideas are still valid. Between our hospital and uh, Martha Jefferson, which is our partner hospital, we have about 25 cases of uh, coronavirus in the hospital at this point of time. If you look at the community numbers, it looks as if we've had somewhere in the range of 50 to 60 people in addition to the, those in the hospital that have been infected. If you compare those numbers to around the country, uh, they're relatively low, and even in comparison to Northern Virginia. Uh, Jim alluded to this in his uh, uh, early comments that when you look at the modeling and you know I, I'll just uh, say that there's six different models out there and every one of them says something different so nobody really has a crystal ball but I think over time uh, based upon the experiences in other places we're learning more about this disease it's anticipated for the country that the peak will be the second week of April I'm certain that our peak here in Charlottesville, Virginia, will be much later than that. Uh, the model that we have the most trust in suggests that it'll be about mid-May that it occurs. But, but again, you know, all of these productions are tentative and we continue to monitor this on a, a daily basis. Kent said that gives the medical community more time to prepare and to gather more information about how to fight the virus and to be prepared. There, there are really three essential parts of being prepared. One is to make sure you have enough beds. Uh, the second is to make sure that you have enough staff and faculty to support the patients that are in those beds. And then something that I know everyone's aware of, just because it's very popular in the press now, is PPE or personal protection equipment. Uh, and, and what that is, is the, the, the devices and, and material that we use to protect our providers so that they don't contract uh, coronavirus while they're caring for patients. 
In terms of beds, we're really fortunate because we had just completed, we're, or we're close to completing uh, a new 86 bed tower um, in our new facility. And uh, although it wasn't ready to be completed till June, we asked our facilities people at the university and our teams in the hospitals to see if they could hasten that date. And I'm really proud to say that 15 of those beds are actually opening today. They're negative pressure beds. They're designed specifically for caring for coronavirus patients. And by May 1st, the rest of those beds will be available. So we actually believe that we're in reasonably good shape uh, considering the other 615 beds that we have available that we'll be able to take care of a fairly large surge of patients if that were to come to pass. In terms of uh, faculty and staff still in a good place, uh, although we have about 90 individuals now that are furloughed because they've either contracted coronavirus or exposed to, were exposed to it. And so this is something that we're watching very closely. And then in terms of PPE, uh, this is really challenging. Uh, at this very moment, we have enough PPE, but the supply chains are diminishing almost on a daily basis. So we're spending a lot of time here at the medical center trying to create the most uh, thoughtful recommendations about what people should use and in what circumstances. And, and that's still an ongoing conversation. Let's go back to the idea of dining services employees who don't have a job now, now that there is no one to serve food to. There were some articles this week about contract workers with Aramark have been treated after being laid off. Here's University of Virginia's Chief Operating Officer, J.J. Davis. Given the change in UVA's operating status and reduced demand for services, for example, our contractors are not providing dining for now over 7,000 students daily through spring, some contractors have needed to furlough their employees since there's no student dining fees to support the operations. Obviously, this is disappointing to all of us. We want to return to normal operations as soon as it is safe to do so. And we're hopeful that these reductions will be temporary. We are disappointed that the federal relief package did not send funding directly to employers, which would have allowed their workforce to remain on the payroll. However, I think there are some critical updates that are important to mention. We have asked our contractors to structure any reductions in workforce in ways that enable their employees to take full advantage of new federal and state relief. We hope that many of the contracted workers are eligible for a number of federal unemployment benefits. In some cases, this will increase typical unemployment insurance benefits and extend wages during this period of hardship. Also, many will be eligible for new one-time federal tax cuts between $1,200 and $2,400. As you know, this is very fluid, complex, and there's not a one-size-fits-all solution but we are continuing to talk with our major contractors about what they are doing. Aramark is one specific contractor that has had a great interest to many, including us. We want to mention a few things that they have told us they are doing for their employees. They have expanded, expanded their employees' benefit coverage by providing additional sick leave, health benefits, access to telehealth and employee assistance program. Beginning next Monday, they're also implementing drive-through meal pickup program, offering five meals per week for Aramark employees and their families that have been furloughed. I hope to hear more about this issue in the coming days, weeks, months, and years. This crisis will change who we are going forward, forcing conversations that we've been putting off for many years. None of us knows exactly what's going to happen. We are in a challenging and uncharted times right now, but it is still all about the people. 
We are committed to trying to do everything we can, including working with our contractors to help meet critical needs of the people who make up our UVA workforce and community to sustain the university so that it remains an excellent place to learn and work. So I just like to say in the coming weeks and months, it's critical that we learn more about this virus and the impact of our ability to social distance now to bend this curve. I'm really deeply grateful for everyone in the UVA workforce and community for their dedication, their commitment, and hard work during these unprecedented times. We're in a public health crisis and an economic crisis. For those of us in Charlottesville and Albemarle, we live in a place with a top medical facility with people whose knowledge can help all of us at this time. I'll do my best to bring you parts of those conversations as they happen. We need to be informed right now. For the next four minutes, let's listen to this series of questions from the April 2nd town hall. Important medical work is being done at this moment. Okay. Um, uh, Craig, this is for you, I believe. Um, It's a two-part question. Now that the FDA has approved a serotherapy protocol, will will there be a push to find convalescent patients and begin therapy at UVA? That's part one. Part two, I guess this is both for you and for Liz. How will UVA help permit and support coronavirus research proposed by existing virologists here at the School of Medicine? We have some very talented researchers here in the health system at the university that uh, are doing some really wonderful work uh, in the virology field, but also around coronavirus. And so we've encouraged them to double down in their efforts. Uh, That's more complex in our environment uh, where we're trying to uh, create an environment where we can have social distancing, but but working with those investigators in a way that that we can support them to move their research forward and and it's so vital. Another another answer to that question is that we have investigators that are not in the virology field who believe that they have tools and techniques that they might be able to modify to have an effect on coronavirus. And so we've encouraged those investigators likewise to to venture into that uh, area. We we currently have uh, three clinical trials uh, that are underway. I I don't believe one is the one that you just mentioned, but uh, these are for in-hospital patients, not ones that are convalescent. But, but nevertheless, it, it, you know, research in this area and providing the, the latest therapy is something that's really important to us. And we have a number of investigators that are carrying that forward. Okay. Um, you may have already answered this, Craig, but um, is UVA hospital testing COVID-19 antibody treatment? Um, so uh, the answer is, uh, I don't know. Uh, we have so many investigators that are in the laboratories doing different work. And, and uh, I saw that question and I, I don't think I know the answer. It well could be the case. Uh, but the good thing about uh, text and um, the ability to have Zoom is that uh, Dean David Wilkes just uh, texted me and told me that we are, um, uh, we have in the IRB a convalescent serum clinical trial and it's on its way to us. So, so good that I can get online updates from my Dean and excited that we have that trial. All right. Um, is there any way to send food delivery, gift cards, or other thanks and support to hospital staff? So, so the answer uh, to that is absolutely. And uh, if we want to coordinate that, it probably should be through my office. So uh, if there's a sense that that might be a possibility, uh, please contact my office and we'll make that happen. I, I will shout out to the somewhere above 13,000 
individuals that work as part of the health system. And every one of them is, is working day and night really, really hard to take care of our patients. And, and any opportunity any of you have uh, to say thank you through a gift card or just a, a shout out, uh, that's something that I think would really be appreciated. They're, they're doing great work. I, I couldn't be prouder to be part of that team. And if that's an option to say thanks to our people, uh, please let us know and, and we'll help facilitate that. What you've just heard is a shortened version of a town hall that the University of Virginia held on April 2nd. It's April 5th, and for three weeks now, I have been trying to document the quickly shifting scene in this podcast. I know you don't have a lot of time to listen to every single live stream, so I'm hoping the work that I'm doing can give you a sense of what's happening in local and state government. Please keep listening. And if you do have time, please watch the things I'm linking to in the show notes. You can watch the whole hour-long town hall on YouTube. We've heard a lot from Virginia Governor Ralph Northam on this program. You would hear even more if his administration was doing daily updates. They were doing so for the first couple of weeks of this crisis, but now they are giving briefings on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 2 o'clock. Kentucky Governor Andy Bashir is giving daily briefings. One op-ed in today's Louisville Courier-Journal refers to him as Pastor Andy. Let's hear a little of what he had right. to say on April 4th. It is 5 o'clock. The time that we get together every single day. Uh, we talk about uh, the coronavirus, we give our update, and we recommit to doing everything it's going to take uh, to protect our fellow Kentuckians as we get through this. So let's start the way we always start. By knowing and saying we will get through this, we will get through this together. Say it with me. We will get through this. We will get through this together. One more time. We will get through this. We will get through this together. We will. We absolutely will. It's going to be a tough road. It's going to be uh, difficult days. But we are going to make it. We are going to come out on the other side. We are going to rebuild. Uh, we are going to be a prosperous Kentucky where we can all get out and see each other, be with each other celebrate birthdays, anniversaries, we will get there again. Remember that while other generations that were called to face challenges, like we are called to face, uh, most of the time when they, they face them, uh, the time or even the victory was uncertain. We know here, that we're not looking at years, we're looking at months, and we know that we will come out of this on the other side. Kentucky has instituted a 10-step checklist for what people need to do, beginning with stay healthy at home and concluding with report noncompliance. Bashir is not sugarcoating any of this. It is a beautiful weekend, but you absolutely cannot, cannot uh, violate these rules simply because it's nice. When that happens, the coronavirus spreads and people are more likely to die. It's a tough reality, but it's a reality we face until we get past this coronavirus. So be healthy at home. You ought to be at home unless you are getting some exercise, unless you are going for groceries or other supplies. You ought to be at home. Across the country, different governors are reacting to the crisis differently. 
I've had my eye close on Virginia, but this is an interesting time when our federal structure of government is being tested in a way that has not happened for generations. I urge everyone listening to seek out news from their state capital at this time. It sounds like Kentucky is taking this seriously, as is Virginia. We're in the early stages of this situation in Virginia. The actions that we take now will help shape what happens in the next few weeks and months. We can get through this, but we must all work together. At his briefing on Friday, April 3rd, Virginia Governor Northam announced that federal disaster relief has been approved, allowing for public assistance funding to flow to the Commonwealth. We thank them for that. That designation will provide us additional federal funding for equipment and supplies. It will help provide shelter for approximately 1,500 Virginians who are homeless or who rely on shelters that can't comply with social distancing. We can provide hotel or motel vouchers, and FEMA is also providing some funding for food, cleaning supplies, and medical transportation. Northam has been consistent in stating that this is an economic crisis on top of the public health crisis. The state has been encouraging people who are out of work to seek assistance. Northam gave an update on just how many people have done so, so far. This week, 114,104 people applied for unemployment benefits in Virginia. This is a very large number, but by next week, it will unfortunately seem small. This is overwhelming our unemployment system. People have had issues with our website. So we have upgraded our website, expanded server capacity, and we're increasing call center staffing by 20%. In addition to people being laid off from by employers, we've also learned today that Department of Labor will provide unemployment benefits to people who were self-employed, gig workers, or others who didn't previously qualify. On the last program, we heard information on how this crisis is affecting the budget in Albemarle County. Northam said state revenues will be hit hard with this sudden turn of events. Just a few short weeks ago, the legislature passed a two-year state budget that made generational investments and ensured that we were taking care of our most vulnerable Virginians. Now, we're facing a recession and the certainty that this unprecedented situation will have major impacts on our state budget, both the budget we are currently operating under and the new one that begins on July 1. We can expect to have significantly less revenue than even our most pessimistic forecast. And our response to this crisis requires us to make significant investments, purchases of PPE and other supplies, investments in hospital space, and aid to support Virginians who need it the most. Federal funding from this disaster declaration and from stimulus bills will surely help, but it will not fully fix the problem. So yesterday, I directed state agency heads to begin taking steps to reduce spending. We are eliminating discretionary spending for the remainder of this fiscal year. We are directing our agencies to prepare for budget cuts in the next budget cycle starting in July. And we are directing our budget experts to re-examine funding that was planned for new initiatives and avoid any new commitments. We have to rearrange our priorities now.
For now, the most important thing is to focus on saving lives. The coronavirus is new to the human body, and we're still learning more about it. This crisis is testing many people's patience and resolve, and many are relying on their faith to get them through at this time. On Friday, Northam addressed the role that religion plays for some. We're entering what is normally a very busy period for our faith communities. Easter, Passover, Ramadan, and other religious holidays fall this month. Normally, our faith communities would celebrate those important times together, but these are not normal times. We have developed additional guidance for our faith communities, urging them to use alternative means of worship, such as virtual gatherings or drive-in services. I know the requirements of social distancing are hard on communities that rely on togetherness. It's hard on all of us, whether you are, use, use, whether you are of a particular faith or no faith. We all lean on the people around us. These relationships are more important now than ever. So I've asked my own pastor, the Reverend Kelvin Jones, uh, who is the minister at First Baptist Cateville Church on the Eastern Shore, to share some of his thoughts with you. Reverend Jones, welcome. Virginians, this is not the time for us to become angry nor frustrated. This is not the time to perceive the government as a means of which trying to control our lives but we should see them as trying to save and preserve our lives. I am sure that for many of us, sheltering in place has been difficult. We are used to moving freely without restrictions or instructions. However, this could be the time for us to push the pause button and hit the reset button of our lives and concentrate on our faith. Over the past few weeks, much of what is normal for us has been stripped away. COVID-19 has stripped us of family and of good health. But the one thing that cannot be and will not be taken from us is our faith. I've already said on this show that I'm not a religious person, but I am spiritual. I respect the role faith plays in other people's lives. And I can imagine a lot of people today are missing the fact that they're not at church not with their friends and fellow parishioners or congregationers or whatever you call it. I'm hopeful that for those people for whom Sunday means gathering with others have found a way to feel together despite the distance. For me, I'm producing this podcast as a way of trying to connect me with people so we can work towards a new togetherness. This is the 16th episode in 21 days, and I'll keep producing them as I can. As I record this, someone from Equip Seaville just dropped by to pick up a handful of surgical masks that I bought last year to help protect my respiratory system while doing yard work. The yard got really overwhelmed last year, and I needed something to protect me from breathing in too much pollen from everything I was chopping down. But I can make do with a bandana. Those out in the community, they need PPE. Three weeks ago, I had no idea what those three letters together meant. I didn't know what top officials at the University of Virginia sounded like. I didn't know who was who in the Northam administration. I've learned so much, and I hope you have as well. As this continues, I'm hoping to provide more voices than just government officials. If you'd like to contribute to the show, please email me at wordcast at gmail.com to set up an interview. Or just record some sound on your phone and send it to me. That's wordcast at gmail.com. 
The show's format is always going to be evolving, and I appreciate each of you for taking the time to listen. I'll be back Monday afternoon with another installment of this program. In the meantime, stay safe and remember these words from Kentucky Governor Andy Bashir. We will get through this together. Say it with me. We will get through this. We will get through this together. One more time. We will get through this. We will get through this together. We will. We absolutely will. That's Pastor Andy. I'm Sean Tubbs, and thanks for listening.